On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Mike Fortune joins me to talk about all kinds of things from flying back to the moon to online voting to snow days to immunization passports to fired anthem singers and more. Yes, we cover it all here on the Scott Radley Show podcast. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I want to bring in my guest for this evening's show. He is one of the co-hosts of the Hamilton Network on Cable 14. We love, love having him on the show as often as we can. Mike Fortune joins us now. Michael, how are you tonight? Uh, Scott, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I love being on with you, buddy. Well, and I should also say the uh, the host, the your your guide through the dining and dancing entertainment on the town halls that you hear occasionally here on 900 CHML down at City Hall. I know those are always a barrel of laughs, so I, you know I appreciate you leading us through those. Well, you know, it, it's uh, <laughs> last night was something else. Let me tell you, you know, and and we we having a little discussion before we went live to air, and it looks like we've dodged another bullet, eh? By yes, going yep. into full lockdown, so. Uh, it, those shows, um, I, I understand that for viewers out there, they're probably very repetitive, and we're hearing a lot of the same things. We're getting a lot of the same questions, but I truly do believe that the message needs to be sure said over and over and over because our numbers keep going up, right? Sure it does. All right, you know what we're going to do, Mike? We're going to do something completely backwards today. Right. Normally, during the week, at around 6.50, the last segment of this first hour, I do something with Ben called Ben's Story of the Day. Okay. All right? And it's pretty lighthearted. And, you know, I think we're going to start. we got a lot of serious-ish stuff to get to. We're going to start with this, though, today. I'm going to do Mike's story of the day today. And here's how Mike's story of the day works. I am going to give you three stories from around the world. And you are going to decide however you choose. The criteria is yours. Which one is your story of the day? All right? We're going to start off on a light foot today. Beginning in Africa, in Zambia, where a woman, Gertrude Ngoma, has sued her fiancé for not marrying her. Apparently, he's dragged this whole engagement thing out too long, and she has now taken him to court, demanding that that he step up and marry her. It's been too long. She's been waiting for too long. She's 26. They've been engaged eight years. Um, They now, she's now, you know, kind of forcing his hand. So there's story number one. Story number two, it's not a long story. It's just one that the headline really caught my eye. Um, apparently in the Philippines, um, it, it, well, here's the headline, and this is based mostly on a quote from their national health network, hitting quarantine violators with sticks is not the best way to address the pandemic. <laughs> no, I agree. Okay. <laughs> Which I just, I think, I'm not sure that's a medical announcement we're ever going to hear in Hamilton. Hitting well, hey, violators with a stick is not the best way to cure the pandemic or stop it from spreading. Although you could try, you could there try. There's certainly been a lot of talk about how people are are or aren't being um, ticketed or uh, by the local authorities. So you never know. <laughs> well, uh, hitting with sticks may be the next step, but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Uh, think story so. number three. Um, this one. This one involves a, a pharmaceutical company that made a slight packaging error. And uh, got the packaging backwards, so people who were expecting to get <laughs> to get well, if you were trying to get your depression medication, you received Viagra or Viagra-like substances, and if you were supposed to be getting your erectile dysfunction pills, you got antidepressive medication. 
which, which <laughs> I, I, I think that it's not think, funny, but it's come on. If you're, you're sitting there and like, I'm not going to, the people who are suffering through depression, there's nothing funny. Although they're probably wondering what in the heck is going on after the medicine. But for the other people, it's like, wow, I don't, I mean, it's not working, but I don't feel so bad. Well, I was going to say, that almost sounds like a win-win for that, for that last one right there. I, I, I got to go with, with the, uh, I, I'm going to go with the, the marriage though, because I think, uh, maybe they know, need the pill. Maybe. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> and while we're at it, we'll take a stick and we'll give him a little whack on the hand as well. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, like everybody, especially in the States, it's very litigious. Everybody loves to sue. What is the lawsuit going to look like when the person walks in and has to try and argue that, you know, it, it wasn't working and I got the wrong pill and has to make that case or vice versa. I mean, there's a lawsuit coming, you know, there's going to be a lawsuit coming, but the other part is who in the pharmaceutical company all of a sudden went, zoinks, it's backwards. Well, yeah. How would you like to be that, that one recipient of either box and find out that, wait a second, something isn't going on here. Like, can you imagine t- popping a pill and just sitting at the dining room table and all of a sudden, um, what's going on down here? Well, that's right. The table starts rising and you're like, wait a second, that's not supposed to ha-. Anyway, sorry, we're getting way off track here. Yeah, it's just, what a, I mean, two such weird pills to get mixed up. How they are even in the same line, assembly line to end up in the packaging or something is, is baffling to me because I don't imagine, I'm not a pharmacist, I don't imagine the two have anything chemically, well, maybe they do have something chemically the same. I don't know, but I don't think they would. And yet they get lost. Are any uh, job losses in that scenario right there? Like, well, you know, you know, tough to say. Where did they say where this was? I'm sorry, I missed. It. Um, yeah, I'm it I'm looking here. It doesn't. Well, no, because I guess they would have been packaged and sent all over the place. Sent all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, not. I mean, look, not funny for the people who have serious depression and are needing their. I, I'm not laughing at that part. It's just no, it's, of all the pills you could have sent somebody by accident. That's the funny part of this. That's the one you're going to send them. That's the one you're going to send. Anyway, truly true, right. amazing, no doubt. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, you heard, I'm sure, or heard of the announcement this week from Health Minister Christine Elliott, the discussion of this idea of an immunity passport that's been talked about. We we talked about it on the show a little bit that if you want to go to a movie theater or you want to go to a restaurant or you want to go traveling or you want to go on a bus or you want to go anywhere, even maybe to work, they are talking about the possibility you will need to have some kind of immunity passport. Are you comfortable with this idea? Uh, not really. Uh, my wife and I, we've had some long conversations about this. Um, I, I still think we're too soon into knowing what this vaccine will do to individuals. Uh, I have full faith in it all being passed, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> To, to to force someone to have to take something like this, I don't know if it's the right thing to do this day and age. Um, I know in the past there's vaccination, vaccination shots that, that you have to take, but those are proven steadfast vaccinations that have been out for, for quite some time. This is so new to everyone. I don't know um, how comfortable people are going to feel. And I think you have some rights as well as an individual. And, and how is this going to be monitored? How is this going to be um, followed up on by movie theaters, restaurants, employers, so on and so forth. There's so much talk about, you know, our personal 
identity and keeping things to ourselves, why should we have to start all of a sudden saying, look, here's my pass card and so on and so forth? It's it's not like a driver's license for crying out loud. Um, so yeah, I know. I look, this un- I agree. Unravels. I no, I agree for a number of reasons. And, and I want to clarify, as I said the other night, and I, I think you're the same. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not someone who's saying, no, no, don't go out and get a vaccine. I'm not saying that at all. But I do believe that you should have, especially with something that's come out this quickly, mm-hmm. the ability to perhaps watch and see a little bit of what happens. And, you know, we've heard stories already of people having allergic reactions or other kinds of, that's one. Um, as we talked about on the show uh, this week, you've got people who will be allergic to this, who can't take it. So does that mean then they can no longer be part of society? They have to sit at home and do nothing? That's not right. No, it, and it, Mike, it's certainly not. Sorry. The ahead. biggest thing, no, and the biggest problem for me is uh, I watched a thing and, and we were talking about it on the show. We, we watched a thing on NBC News. They had a, a story about the passport and the passport in the States is an app. Well, the minute you start entering, we're not talking any longer about just carrying a piece of paper that while the par- uh, while the pandemic is in full raging force, you can just show this. You've now entered your medical information into some sort of database. I- I'm sorry if it sounds paranoid. That doesn't go away. That doesn't go away. And that's where I start to get really concerned is what happens with this information once it's in. Well, and that's the thing, you know, your your digital footprint is something that you should be very protective of. And, you, you know, we, we've we've gotten into the world of being able to put our banking information on. Um, and it took me a long time to accept that before I started doing any online purchases. Now you want to put in our, and, and to what extent will it will it stop? Is it just the vaccination or is it going to be every medication that you've taken, every prescription? That's, that's and, yes, that's that's and, right. And the banking information, Mike, you don't have to, when you go to a theater or go to work, you don't have to flash them no. your banking information. That's something you keep private. And some of us are still, can be nervous at times, but that's something very private. This is not that. Well, but your medical history and information should be considered very private, I would think. Yeah. You know, I don't want people to, to just be able to go into my file and hack into it through the black market or these the, the dark web and oh well let's see what my fortune's got. It, it, it's it's you know w- there was so much talk years ago about you know how that you put little chips in animals and then oh maybe we should do this to humans. We're we're kind of growing into that society and it's all through technology on our phones that we need on a daily basis to to communicate with with our contacts. So we're treading on some very thin ice I think right now regarding how all this is going to play out but at the end of the day if the government starts to push and force this stuff we might not have choices uh, this just might be the way it goes perhaps um I, I i do think that um one of the things that will raise flags for people is if the government tries to force it that, that's one thing that i think people will then say wait a second why are they pushing so hard that you have to do this as opposed to you know like we people were nervous about the federal covid tracking app but you weren't forced to do that. You could still go out if you didn't have that. And so you had a choice to participate or not to participate. They asked you to, but you didn't have to. Now, if they were to say, you must do this, if you're going to go to work, if you're going to go to your office, if you're going to go out, if you're going to go to a restaurant, you must have an app that tells us where you are and what you've taken and everything else. I'm sorry. Call me paranoid. I don't care. I, I don't have faith that a bunch of faceless, nameless bureaucrats who have access to my information should be having that kind of information. I just don't. 
I just don't. I, I, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's funny how we are as individuals, how as soon as you're told you have to do something, you don't want to do it. It's like, no, well, no, no, I don't want to. Because we become suspicious. We it, become very it, suspicious. Why do you need it? And, and let's face it, there are people out there who, who, there are still people out there that don't have cell phones, that don't have those types of devices. If we're going to be going after or, or getting our, our elderly vaccinated first, you know, they might not have this type of technology. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, just before the break, you pointed out something that I think is a really important part of this. And that is um, most of the examples that we've seen have been things on your cell phone or something else. What happens if you don't have a cell phone? Well, they can't make you get a cell phone. I I don't think no one's ever going to say you must go out and buy an iPhone. So then what? Then what? Yeah, I don't know what the answer would be because you just can't, to your point earlier, you can't just have someone just sitting at, at home being isolated away from everybody, not being able to enjoy their lives by going out, uh, not only enjoying movies and restaurants, but also supporting the local economy. You know, that, that's, that's so important as well. Um, you know, I guess my question is, to, to, to what end? You know, the, you, how, and how much would this cost? Like, how are you going to put this in place? How, you know, you're going to have these, these storefronts and these, these people running businesses to, you know, that, now you've got to ask another question. You've got to ask them to scan something else. Like, it just seems to be too big of a massive project, and especially to get it underway within, you know, six to 12 months when more and more of us are getting, beginning these vaccine shots. I don't know how you can go about truly doing this and for it to be effective and how how do we know people are going to be honest about it listen if for everyone that knows how or that will download this app there's also other people out there that know how to to butt the system and, and get around it as well so is it truly an honest read that you're going to get from uh, from these apps well i'm assuming that it, they would require the medical person who gave you the injection to send documentation or something, go online and say, Mike Fortune got the, got the injection done. But, you know, again, let, let's, let's, let's throw out an idea. You touched on something else in earlier in the last segment that I think we'd all ties in. And, uh, you know, some people are going to say, again, you're really paranoid. You're really going 1984 on us here. But if you don't have the technology and they need to have an app or some kind of thing to show you've got this to go anywhere, how crazy is it to suggest that you would have something injected, a, a device or some sort of reading thing into your body? I know it's, it may sound nuts to some people, but if you're not going to carry a phone and they have to do it some other way, how else do they do it? Well, the only other thing is, as you were just kind of reiterating that story, the only other thing I'm thinking is maybe they attach it somehow to your license or to your health card and you, and you have to scan that or something. Maybe, you know? maybe, with, with, but I don't think that you're far off. I mean, look, I, again, some people are going to say, look, you're, you're talking crazy talk. Maybe I am, but I don't think we're all that far away if you start getting into this from having chips expected to be implanted into us so that you can now do all your finances and you can do all of your this and your that. And the position will be, well, look, it's going to be helpful if you get into an accident. We can just scan your your chip and we can know what medicines you're on or whatnot. It'll prevent people from having their finances stolen or whatever. It may, but at what cost? Well, and, and that's true. And, and look, you know, there, there's companies out there and I wear one, you know, I wear a medical alert. Um, you know, it, it, it's not the, it, it, it's just new technology, right? Like there are situations out there where people do let others know if they are in an accident, here's what I'm taking because I can't speak right now. But uh, again, I, I, I worry about the, 
the store owners and the restaurant owners and these these young kids that are manning a hostess booth at a restaurant that have to all of a sudden say, you know, scan this or we need we need another piece of identification or something. I just I, I think it's going to go over the top. I don't see this happening. I think this is just one of those things that were kind of spitballed and thrown out there um, at, at a mm. three thousand foot level to see what the response might be. I, I'm not sure. I, I find it hard to believe that that would have been just thrown out there as a spitball kind of thing. And, and Mike, look, I'm not anti-technology. As I'm sitting here talking to you from my basement right now, I am surrounded by technology. I'm totally on board with technology. What I am not on board with is the absolute belief, and I can, we can all look and prove this and, I, and establish this in our own heads. Anytime government in any country of any stripe, it's not just one particular party. Anytime government takes away certain liberties that we have, they don't give them back. So you can take these things away under the auspices that, well, you know what? It's a pandemic right now. We have to do this. Okay. Where's the guarantee this then all gets destroyed at the end and we go back to our normal life? And the answer is it doesn't because it'll become accepted and then we'll move on to the next thing and it'll push it further the next time. So the second you open the door to this, you're opening the door, not just to helping with a pandemic. There's all kinds of other things you're going to open the door to. And, you know, what if, what if you're a world traveler? You know, like how, how will this cross with, again, maybe technology will allow it. But I agree to your point, you know, it, it, it's a scary discussion to start to have. Um, and, you know, then I think about my kids and what they're going to be dealing with and, and, and how they're going to be tracked, so on and so forth. And I'm sure there's people out there listening to us right now, Scott, and saying, look, guys, this is a great thing to do. That This gives more. Sure there is. This, I'm sure there is. And, and, I'm hey, sure there are the people power. saying that. And I, and look, I have traveled. And when we, I've said this on the air just the other day, when I went to Africa, we had to carry documentation that we had yellow fever and some other things, but that was a stamp on a piece of paper that I simply could show to the person at the gate and it, if that country wouldn't let me in. So that's their choice, but it was not a thing that anyone else is necessarily going to be able to track or add things to. It was just a, here you go, I had it. And and that's your choice if you want to travel to another country. That's your choice. Oh, but course, within yeah. our own country, you should not have to have those r- things no. in order to get out of your house. No, and, and, and maybe that's the way it's going to go. They're, like I said, they might be spitballing it this way, but it's going to be just one more thing that you might need in case you have to travel. Because, look, at the end of the day, whether it's 15, 20 years from now, maybe even five years from now, we're going to be looking back on 2020 going, oh, yeah, do, do you remember the COVID? You remember that COVID year that we went through? And hopefully by then we're obviously back to normal, I would hope. And I, I just think this is moving it too quickly, too soon. Like, let's get the vaccine out. Let's see how things start to progress before we start saying, look, we got to start tracking everybody now. Um, and, and as Dr. Richardson mentioned on, on our COVID town hall last night, even with tracing um, and, and giving people giving their, their names and their phone numbers and all that, you know, people aren't even doing that properly right now. So there are ways to get around, I would assume, by not having your medical information uh, shown or, you know, you go to a restaurant, oh, I forgot my phone. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to stop me from not going in? I, I just see too many, way too many loopholes right now, Scott, for this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I don't know if you heard this story from earlier in the week, but um, if you ever watch any Vancouver Canucks hockey games, they have an anthem singer that... Um, was quite recognizable, long hair and a beard, and he used to skate around at times while singing the anthem. He's very famous for one blooper he had where he stepped on the carpet while he was singing the anthem. You can find that on YouTube. Anyway, 
Uh, he was fired this week as anthem singer for the Vancouver Canucks because he attended an anti-mask rally in Vancouver. And the owner of the Canucks said, no, doesn't represent us. Too bad, so sad, we're finding someone new. You have any problem with that decision by the Canucks? No, I, I truly don't. Because at the end of the day, um, the employer um, is allowed to, you know, have they want their, their organization, their company run in a certain way. And I, if I was the anthem singer, I maybe would have double-checked first or had a little discussion with my employer. That's just who I am because I'm very aware of, of, of what I do and who I talk to and what I say. At least I try to be. Um, so I have no issues with this at all because, as we all know, I think it sends a very bad message. And I would agree with the Vancouver Canucks that this, uh, this is just something they don't want to be part of. You know, some people said that this is a freedom of expression problem. Um, I, I'm an absolute defender of freedom of expression, but I, I also look at this and I'm with you. I, I don't really have a problem because this is a private company, mm-hmm. not a public place. He doesn't work for the government, which may make it different, but it's a private company that is allowed to establish rules. If you post something on your Twitter feed, that is offensive, even though it's at home. And even though people put on there, my views don't represent my company. That's not a legal defense. You say something on there that's offensive. Your company is entitled to have people who reflect their company work for them. Of course. And and we've seen time and time again, some of the horrific things that reporters have to deal with and go through and and how those culprits are are dealt with by their companies. And I think rightfully so. There there seems to be this... um, feeling out there that people can just do and say what they want and 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 there'll be no consequences but i think every once in a while you kind of got to smell the roses look around a little bit and say is this really in the best interest of me um and will this help me down the road and a decision like this with such a di- such a diverse um feeling on both sides and i think there obviously more, there are more maskers out there than there are anti-maskers but boy you are really I would say picking the wrong side if this is something that you want to b- truly believe in. And, uh, you know, kudos to the Vancouver Canucks for sticking to their guns and saying, this is not how we are going to operate. And we want to send a message because at the end of the day, they want, we want hockey back as well. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and as I say, this is a private company, so they are entitled to have people who they say, if you breach or do what our company doesn't represent or whatever else, or we don't like it, you know what? It's not a public thing. But here's my question. Here's my follow-up question then, because something that dawned on me as I was reading this story, many of the people who are applauding the Vancouver Canucks and saying, yes, you're well within your rights to get rid of this guy because he was not representing what you stand for, seem to be many of the same people who, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee in a private company setting, said, you can't get rid of Colin Kaepernick. Why is Colin Kaepernick being blackballed? He should be having a job. It's it's essentially the same thing. The issue may be slightly different. Well, One, I wouldn't say slightly. It's huge. Well, Masters but what I'm saying is, race. I, I, look, the point is, it's about a private company having the right to or not to employ somebody, and both are, can be argued as freedom of expression moments. But they are a similar thing that you have taken a position. And if your private boss doesn't think that you represent or that's not in the best interest of your company, it's a private company. And, you know, I looked at it and I thought they're way more similar than, than, than not. The issue is very different, but the action and the reaction are similar. 
but I think that's the that's the big question is 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 the the topic itself is just on such such they're they're on completely different levels like wearing a mask is complete or not wearing a mask is completely different than what's going on in the world with race relation and systemic racism so on and so forth that that is just massive no and, no, no no one's arguing against that the issue so, is if you're a private company and you believe that an employee is doing something that could either damage your brand or that would affect your business or that you don't agree with if you're a private company you have the option to do that, whether or not everyone thinks the issue is what they believe in or not. That's the that's that's what a private company. That's the rights they have. That's the rights they have. But also, you're looking at two very different career stances. This this is here's a guy that get, can sing, okay, um, and it really isn't part of the actual outcome of a game. And then you have a quarterback um, who you know, may, and I forget I forget exactly. Was it strictly because of the knee, or was it also were they also relying on? on his performance on the field. Like you can, you well, can a little bit of that both. way a little bit as well, right? If it was entirely, look, if it was entirely based on his performance, cause he wasn't playing as well, but I think probably there's a realistic chance he gets a job as a backup, even somewhere in the league. I think there's probably no doubt to that. Um, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not making the case that the two issues are the same. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. it's a private company. And if you're going to argue that you believe that a private company has the right to fire somebody because they didn't represent you in a way you think your company should be represented, we can agree or disagree on the issue. Then you have to be able to say, well, then the other one where you didn't believe that the guy was representing your company in a way that you believe in, that's, you also have to be able to say that's okay then. But a lot of people struggle with this because in these cases, we get locked up in what the issue is rather like that they're fighting for yeah. Rather than whether or not it's allowed. Anyway, got to take a quick break. Full short, okay, okay. Go, yeah. No, go ahead. Your point, because I, I did. I got away from the actual question. And, and so to summarize, in my opinion, if you are a private business and you don't have to worry about stakeholders and so on and so forth, you can make your own decisions, then I have no issue with the private business saying, look, our rules, these are our rules. This is what you have to, this is what you have to abide by. And uh, I've worked for private companies. I think you probably have as well. I and have. You kind of know, you, you know where that line is. And if you cross it, hey, you cross it and uh, suffer the consequences. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, we had heard uh, earlier in the week or last week that the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board, uh, there was some debate around school days. Should they be going ahead with online teaching during school days? Cancel the idea, snow days, pardon me, snow days. Should they, I, I say that all the time, school days, of course, snow days. Should they be canceling classes during snow days or should they be going ahead since, you know, many classes, many schools now have online of some kind? and going ahead with it. Well, on Thursday night, last night, the board has, it's not fully decided yet, but has basically rejected the idea of saying we're getting rid of snow days this year. We'll teach from home. If there's a snow day, there's a snow day. It seems is where we're going. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand how with modern technology that we're learning about mm-hmm. that and with how much school students have missed already, and the fact that this may happen once or twice or three times, that we can't say, let's gas the idea of snow days this year just for a while because we need our students to have every possible day in school that we can give them. Yeah, I'm, I'm again, I, I don't know what the, the outlines are for the teachers and their contract. Maybe there's something in their contract that 
they're, they're not enjoying about this. It, again, to your point, maybe there should be an option out there where if, if a teacher wants to, you know, take on this snow day, because it was a day they were going to go into work anyway, um, yeah, let's utilize that and, and let's get ahead. And, may, and maybe it's just a matter of putting some, some courses online or reaching out to your, your students saying, look, just read this chapter today and, and so on and so forth. Maybe it doesn't have to be a full-blown teachable lesson, but you can continue to stay on track. And to your point, what, three, maybe four a year tops, if that? Because I know usually, both, school usually. Boards, both school boards try to do everything they can to ensure that school goes on. Um, so, look, I, I get that it's rejected again. It's something that was thrown out there. It will obviously, we'll obviously have some more conversations about it um, as, as time goes on because technology has passed along and it, it's doable now. But it's part of probably part of the collective bargaining agreement too, I would think. And I'm not the right person to talk about that. Manny Figueroa or the new yeah. uh, trustee, yeah. you know, Don, uh, uh, Danko would be able to do that probably. But one of the things they cite, and, and this is one of the ones I have trouble with, one of the things they cite is inequalities or inequities that some people don't have access to Wi-Fi or don't have computers or whatever. And, and I surely understand that. If you're talking about this as a everyday thing that we're going to go fully online for school and there's going to be no more schools, I would say no, that, that, that you can't because there are such inequities that some people don't have the capability. But to say nobody is going to get school because some people can't, to me is kind of um, almost, it seems a little ridiculous, if only because when someone is off sick from school, when someone is missing a day because they've got a cold or got the flu, we don't say to all the other kids, go home, Johnny is not here, he is going to fall behind, so we're, nobody is having school today. We don't do no, that. No, I, I, I understand that, but again, I think you're dealing with two separate issues here, and you you know, it, it's it's difficult for me to put myself in a position because, you know, we're fortunate. We have internet. We have like three or four devices. It wouldn't be an issue. If I try to put myself in the shoes of those families that don't have the, some of the luxuries that, that we do and the, the Radley household does, I can kind of see how a student might all of a sudden feel like a bit of an outsider. And we're trying to do as much as we can to ensure that all students are included in everything um, why should they be excluded from something like this because of technology that maybe they can't afford or, or isn't at the, the top of the line type thing? So I, I see where this is coming from if I put myself in their shoes. And if it's going to just be a snow day, let the kids go out. Let them have a little bit of fun for a change. And let's not punish someone because they don't have the technology. Because, it's, it's, as you know, Scott, it is not cheap. To, to keep up to date with the technology uh, world. No, I agree. But I also think that if you make a case that nobody could go to school because a few people are going to miss, and again, Mike, we're talking about a day or two here. We're talking about a few days, yeah. not not permanently. And, and I might even not take this position under normal circumstances, but when you consider how much school kids missed from March until the end of the year, and even this year with some of the stuff going on with half classes or not classes, I just don't believe that we should be looking for ways to not have kids in school or I, doing I, school. I think they I, are falling behind fast. And, you know, if, if again, I'm, I, I'm not unsympathetic. I, I am truly not unsympathetic. But if Mike Fortune's kids don't get to school one day, they don't tell everyone else not to learn. 
they they yeah. go ahead and they say you're going to catch up and we'll help you the next day whatever we'll we'll catch you up on this stuff but then you know again you, you have to look at the various regions of our city there are some schools that will have a lot more kids that will not have access to technology compared to schools on the mountain uh, that 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 might if i'm just kind of breaking it down a little bit those marginalized neighborhoods why should they be penalized then why should the teachers be penalized to have to worry about doing the catch-up you know it, it's it's that domino effect that can really play a role and you mentioned you know we've missed so much school already yes well think about those kids that have missed uh, tons of school because they they don't have the technology they can't get it the school boards are scraping by right now just to ensure that people get devices maintain the devices that and that doesn't even then all of a sudden include can you afford to pay for an internet because there's nothing out there that says that uh, internet is considered an essential service even though i think we all know it is it's, it's like it, that will come that will it's come not, but we got to run yes yeah, yeah we got to run it's not like hydro or gas so Again, I I kind of like where this is going with the board saying, no, let's hold off on this until we dot our I's and cross our T's. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, we were talking last night here on the show, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we were talking about the fact that they down in the States announced the or introduced the 18 astronauts, some of whom will be picked to go to the moon again, theoretically, as early as 2024. That's the plan with their program they're doing right now. Does the moon still, I mean, I'm assuming once upon a time it did, but does the moon still hold fascination for you, or is this a been there, done that, let's do something else kind of thing? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I watched the introduction of those astronauts, and boy, did that, did they make that look cool and sexy? Like, I, I wanted to get on. I want to be an astronaut. I want on that shuttle. Yes, I still do think the moon holds a lot of questions and mystery and intrigue up there for us. I understand we want to push the limits and go a little further, but I think it behooves us as a society to continue to study and, and to continue to, to get up there. And um, any time you are leaving our orbit, you know, you are taking a, a major risk. You don't know what will, will happen, and I... I still think it is part of how we continue per- to progress as a society. I think it's fantastic that we're still studying it. Yeah, I we, one of the things that we were discussing last night with the professor that we were talking about this with was the idea that the moon missions had seemed to lose a lot of their zest and appeal and people kind of got bored because that's what we are. We get bored of stuff. Uh, in the, you know, by the time 1972, 71, 72 rolled around, um, you know, it's easy to forget that we had grown kind of bored of moon landings because it had become kind of commonplace. I, I really think, even though that was not necessarily a big story yesterday or the day before when it happened, I think by the time that it got to people landing on the moon, that if you suddenly were were listening to the news and it's here on CHML, they said, oh, you know, the 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 rocket is about to touch down, you would race, I think people would race to their TV sets still to see that happen. I agree a thousand percent. And, and again, it, it's a learning tool and, and there are generations of, of, of people and it's a great teaching moment for young kids that you know, don't know what it's like and haven't watched the moon landing and, and don't read the articles. So I think any time you can promote and talk about something like this to introduce a young mind to to science, to exploring, 
I think it's a fantastic thing, and I don't think that should ever be taken away. And yes, to you know, to someone like my father who witnessed the first moon landing on TV, and, and you know, and, and then our generation, Scott, it might be a little passe, but I think it's really important that the younger generations are are aware of what's going on, and they get to see some of this stuff. Hence, why I think they did a a, a very cool job and a unique way of introducing these astronauts. That this is this is something that you want to be part of. Yeah, I, I like w- the talk is well, we got to go to Mars. I mean, that's been the you know Mars missions, and you know we've had um, even uh, uh, coming um, Karen Cumming used to be on CHCH, yeah. who was one of the finalists to be one of the astronauts in that original idea of going to Mars, and we've talked to her about that. I mean, Mars seems to be well, that's the that's the new thing, and and the Moon seems like as you say, sort of passe, but I really don't. I really don't think I, I I think it is passe until the moment comes when we're when someone is about to be there and again then I think for a time cuz again we'll get bored we get bored very easily I mean we yeah. we, we we get bored between breakfast and lunch um but, but for but a you, time there will be great fascination again and you should never forget your roots never forget how you got to where you are and go back and rediscover um, because again, you truly don't know what's going on out there unless you do go and visit on a visit it on a, a fairly regular basis. I would say because who knows what's happening uh, in the great abyss beyond. Well, yeah, and and I I shared what you said um, as you know, it's never going to happen. I'm not uh, I'm not delusional uh, with the idea that you know I could be one of those people. Um, but boy, that would be something that I would. My wife would probably have some suggestions to the contrary, but I would sign up for that in a second. I would sign up for that in a second. Well, the lunar one. I don't want to go to Mars and then never return. I'm not, I'm not into the whole (laughs) blasting off into space to never come back kind of thing that, you know, that's. Hey, but just think if, if you did, you could just have it be a whole Scott Radley world. You wouldn't have to worry about putting chips in yourself and showing COVID vaccine shots and all. You could just start all, all from fresh. But I know what you're saying. I think I would be too, because it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. And I, I'm sure you remember. I remember exactly where I was when, when the shuttle went up and it exploded in space. I was in high school, in a class in high school. They announced it over the, the loudspeaker. I remember yep. watching it. I'm a few years younger than you. I was watching. We were all sitting around in the library at, at Holbrook Middle School there on Sanatorium watching it. And then it, it was just, it, it was something I will never forget. I think those are moments that um, kids nowadays should should should, uh, should should try to experience watching uh, a, a shuttle take off in outer space. I think it's fantastic. Well, I'll say one other thing. Um, last year, actually a year ago today, we were just remembering that it was a year ago today, our family went down to Disney World. We decided to go and do an adult trip to Disney World, which, uh, you know, was was a lot of fun. It was, you know, you would think adult Disney World. No, it was great. But yeah. while we're down there, we're standing in line one night. We were at the park late one of the, one of the nights at Magic Kingdom. And somebody in a line mentioned, hey, are you going to watch the rocket blast off today? And I didn't know what they were talking about. And it was one of the... Um, uh, what's the one with... Uh, what's his name? The billionaire. Um... Elon Musk. Elon Musk. It was one of his SpaceX rockets that was going off from Cape Canaveral, which, I mean, Cape Canaveral is a long way from Disney, but we stood and over the top of Space Mountain could see, and there's only about 10 of us that even knew it was happening, watched way in the distance, this flash of light and this rocket go off. And I got to tell you, it was so cool, even from there, that, you know, it's just, I I think we, I think we kind of underplay 
how neat these things are and how what an inc- incredible achievement it is to be able to do this kind of stuff. And as the professor who was on last night said, the bravery, now there was no people on that rocket, but the bravery of people who would go, because essentially you're strapping a giant stick of dynamite to your butt and blasting into space. Yeah, no, And you're hoping that it goes off okay. And I think what Elon Musk has also done is too with his his new shuttles, the way he set it up where you can literally be on a beach, I forget how far away you are, but you can have a beautiful view of watching these rockets go up and, and there is, you're right, there, there's bravery to this. You are doing oh, yeah. something for your country to help us as a society and mankind to, to move forward as you're always learning. I, my, one of my big regrets is I was, um, I was in Florida when I was a teenager for a few weeks in the summertime, and there was a shuttle ready to go off, and we were right down in uh, Cocoa Beach area, which is not far from Cape Canaveral, and we all went over and stood on the shoreline just across so you could see the the shuttle from where we were standing like see it before it went off and it, because of the weather and stuff it got delayed so i never got to see it go off I, i've always wished that that had happened because i really that is um it's one of the cool things yeah, let me I, switch I it agree. up a little bit let me switch yeah. it up a bit something completely different but we got time to do one more thing um wrote a piece this week about the city of Hamilton exploring and they got talking about it at city council and it's going to go ahead at least as an exploratory thing. The idea of expanding the ability, speaking of expanding, not expanding the universe, but expanding the possibilities for people in the next municipal election in 2022 to vote from home. And the options that they have, that they're looking into now are not necessarily high tech. They want people to be able to mail in their ballots, assuming it's not like in the States and some of the States where it's been chaos, where they've just sent buckets of ballots to every house. If you apply for a ballot and you are on the voter list, they will send you a ballot and you can mail it back. And I think that's a terrific idea that makes it accessible to everybody. If you can't do that for some reason, they are they will have a situation where you can have two electoral officials come to your home and oversee you filling out your ballot and they will take it back. All good things. The big question, Mike, is the idea of online voting. And it's very expensive and they're not recommending it right now, but it's going to come down the pike. I'm convinced it's going to come. You can do it by phone. You can be on your phone standing in line at the grocery store and you can cast a ballot or whatever. Do you like the idea or do you worry that the further away we get from the way we voted in the past, the more chances we have of bad things happening. You know, I, I'm, I'm really on the fence about this because, you know, I, I'm a bit, I'm old school. I like being able to go and stand in line and show my card, so on and so forth. But I do think it is one of those things that will, it, it will eventually happen. And I think we'll just have to accept that we have to continue to use technology. Now I'm probably negating everything I said earlier about well, make sure you get an app put on your phone so you can show that you have a vaccine done. Um, but an opportunity, because it's all about voter engagement, and if you can ensure that you can get a higher voter engagement, uh, the younger generation, I, I think it's something that only makes sense as we continue to move forward. Again, as to your point, I don't see it happening with this council and probably not even the next term or two. But it is something that I think does make sense as we start to move forward. One of the fascinating things that the city clerk who put forward the report on this one pointed out is this has been done some places 
And I think there were something like 130 municipalities in the province last election that in some form or another had online voting. Many of them, 51 or 52 of them had technological problems. It didn't prevent the vote from happening, but there were glitches. But the biggest thing was that there was no evidence that it increased voter turnout, which I was shocked by. I thought for sure this is the way that you get the number up from 33% or whatever it is up to 70%, but apparently but, not. But do we truly know, how, you know, do we know how it was marketed? Do we know nope. um, what, what they were doing behind the scenes to encourage nope. people? So, you, you know, and, and there's a lot of disengagement right now with, with politics when it comes to the younger generation. However, with that said, this may be one of those years with what we've seen happen in the States and with COVID um, and, and what we're seeing here in Canada you know, where potentially more younger voters might be getting engaged. And that, I think that can only benefit the, the election process as we move forward. You, you can't just say, okay, we're, we're, putting, we're going to put all this money into it, but then we're not going to tell anyone about it. You've got to market it. You have Agreed. to promote Agreed. it, right? So, Agreed. Listen, it, it, it will happen, and I think it only makes sense... Um, because it's 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 part of the process. We want more people engaged because if you don't have people engaged, you start to see what happens not just in our municipality, but but throughout. It it just it's 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 a sticky situation when you don't get the numbers out. And and look what happened in the states. You had a record turnout of votes this year with with mail in and all that stuff. So and the, and that's what I like. To work towards. That's what I, I like the mail in thing. If you do it right, and there were some states that did it right, and there were some states, as I say, where. Whether they did it right or not, you at least opened the door to people having doubts. When you just send ballots to every home and say, well, if you want to send it, but where there's no necessarily proof of anything, that concerns me. But if you apply, if Mike Fortune says, I would like to vote from home, please send me a ballot, and they mail it to you, and that will get more people in, involved, 100%, 100%. My, my, other, my thing is, I'm not even necessarily all that worried about hacking, although maybe I'm being naive. My big concern is, and, and this, I, I don't know if this sounds snooty or elitist or whatever else, I believe that there should be some reasonable, and I'm not talking about a massive thing. I don't think we want, I think we want people who are going to vote who have invested a little bit into knowing who they're going to vote for. And I'm not trying to exclude anybody. I, want, I don't want to take anyone's ballot away, Mike. I just think that there is something about going and lining up or making the effort to call and say, send me a ballot or something that says, you know what, I'm probably engaged enough that I'm going to do this. I can, I can, anyone can go and line up at the ballot place, at the balloting station and vote. We're not taking away anyone's opportunity. I just don't know that it serves us to make it so easy that people who otherwise have no participation, have done no research, they just have someone walk up to them and say, hey vote for this person, you go, okay, sure, whatever. I'm not yeah. sure that helps us. Well, the techni- what's stopping anyone from doing that right now? You're standing in line, you, you don't really know what you're doing. and you. But at least there's some effort. At, at least there's some kind of commitment that says, if I'm going to go and spend the five minutes, and that's usually all it takes, let's be honest, the five around here, we're not talking about the states with these gigantic lineups. If I'm going to spend at least the five minutes and go to that place, probably I believe enough or I've, I'm committed enough to the idea of voting that I've probably done okay. some research and have some idea who I'm voting for. So with why. that said, I'm, I'm sure that th- there were, 
on the app on the, the day of election or the lead-up to election, you'd probably have to spend a couple minutes to put in your name, to put in your address, to put in your phone number, maybe, maybe answer a couple questions, and then you get to say, okay, uh, who, here's who I'm voting for mayor, and here's who I'm voting for in my war. You'll probably have to take a few minutes there as well. So I don't know if we want to just eliminate people because they, they're disengaged or not following it, because I think we have to give a lot more people the benefit of the doubt that maybe they are following it. And just because they're not vocal on social media and just because they're, they're not calling into talk shows doesn't mean they're engaged. Let's give everyone that opportunity and follow a bit of a procedure. And now, come on, let me clarify. Let me let me correct you on something. If you don't call in to a talk show, you are clearly <laughs> not engaged in anything. Uh, those who have Fair not enough. called in are not part. No, I'm just kidding. But but um, if, if, if if you're clicking, if, if you're getting clicks on the spec and reading articles on what's going on in Hamilton and what council is or isn't doing, if you're following on Facebook or Twitter, I would say that you are you are engaged. I, no, I would agree with that. I would agree. And, and, and I would like a, an engaged electorate. And I think everybody who is concerned about how our city and province and country are governed would like to have a, an engaged electorate. And, who, and who, well, who and that's all I'm to... saying. I want you to be, I, I would love it to be that you, I, I believe there should be some, not a lot, some level of commitment in the process. And maybe to your point, maybe you're right. If you have to fill in the details and it takes five minutes to do it, maybe that's sufficient to at least say, you know what? Look, we're not willing to wait 30 seconds for something to heat up in the microwave sometimes. So maybe if it's a five minute process, that's a good enough thing. I don't know. And who are we to say, you know, how engaged you are in regards to how much you do, do follow and don't follow? Um, you know, you and I probably know more than the average person. And then there's people uh, uh, above you and I that know a, a heck of a lot more Absolutely. What, what's going on, right? Absolutely. And those people might be saying, well, well, why is a Scott Rally and Mike Fortune voting? They don't know as much as we do, right? So, you know, I, I think you have to keep it open. I think we have to have that open mind. And if it's going, and we've seen how it works with mail-in, we've seen how it works now with online voting, take all that information and try to put put best practices into place, invest properly, market it properly, and allow for that opportunity. Well said. I'll, I'll give you the last word on that one. Well said. Uh, Mike Fortune, thank you as always for doing this. I think this will be the last time we chat on the air before the Christmas holiday. So have a wonderful Christmas to you and your family. And uh, be sure to put uh, Elvis's Blue Christmas on a loop and just keep playing it over and over and over, which I know you already have. Um, and uh, all the best to your family. Thanks for doing this. Scott, to you and your family and all the listeners at CHML and, and in the staff there, thank you. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.